Welcome to the Moonlight Real Estate Side Hustles and Syndication Show with Eric Lindsay. We will show you how to make extra money using real estate side hustles and real estate syndications. You will learn how to start and scale your real estate business while being a busy professional or having limited amounts of time. Here at the Moonlight Real Estate Side Hustles and Syndication Show, we chose to focus on financial security, not job security. Welcome to the Moonlight Real Estate Side Hustles and Syndication Show. I am your host, Eric Lindsay. Here at Moonlight, we choose to focus on achieving financial security through real estate. And today we are here with Rob Chang. Rob is the creator of the Passive Wealth Coach System. He has been managing apartments since the age of 16 and has 25 years of experience with all facets of real estate investing, including but not limited to rent collection accounting, maintenance, remodeling, leasing, buying, selling, and owning. Rob holds a California's broker's license as well as a general contracting license and currently controls $193 million in investment property assets and owns $10 million worth of real estate. He coaches students on how to create passive and generational wealth through his seven-step passive wealth coaching program. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Definitely want to provide value for your, your viewers. Yeah. When I ran across you and kind of read your bio here, I was well impressed. So I'm sure my listeners are in for a treat today. Hey, is there any way that you could kind of add to your bio? I know that was a brief description over some things that you've accomplished within life. But could you just kind of shine a little bit more light over your background and also share with us how you got started in real estate? Yeah, definitely. I started doing accounting actually from my parents, doing it on those long pieces of paper with the two columns, green and white, debit and credit ledgers with the sharpened pencil and a calculator and a ruler. And I just started doing the books, man. And then from then on, I started shadowing my uncle. He was doing handyman work, learning how to, um, you know, he would send me up in the hot attic or the crawl space and clean out the rats or the dead cat or whatever. I think it was like initiation or something like that. Oh, wow. And then uh, eventually I started knocking on the doors, collecting rent, collecting the checks and all the payments. I went to college, UC Irvine, got a degree in economics. Came back, I worked for Marcus and Millichap for four years as, a, as an agent selling commercial property. And then um, after that, I started flipping houses in the hood in San Jose. And then I started, from that point, I transitioned to being a contractor. It takes about four years to get a contractor's license in Cali. So then I was a contractor full-time for eight years. I stopped doing brokerage. And I was just a full-time contractor swinging the hammer, you know, with my saw in my hand, covered in sawdust and sweat. That's what I was doing for eight years until one day this family convinced me to be their maintenance manager. I didn't even know what that was. And so from being a maintenance manager, then I became a full service manager. And I was I was managing 163 doors just by myself, one person, me and my truck, and me and, and my dog too. 
Whoa. So, <laughs> everything from changing the toilets, from going to the store, from collecting the rents, doing the reports, showing the tenants, writing the leases. I'm always doing everything. So it was taking me like 12 hours a day to get the job done. And uh, one day, my wife got pregnant and said, honey, you can't be working these 12-hour days anymore. We need you. You know, we need you. So I hired a coach. I hired a real estate coach, just a, a realtor coach. I should be specific on that. Couldn't find a property management coach at that time. But uh, he did help me a whole lot. And so he taught me the power of leverage. So I hired four employees and we doubled. The business doubled. and I was able to work about four hours a day. So from 12 hours a day, I shrank to four hours a day with all the leverage. I didn't have to leave the house anymore. And so that transitioned from being all hands on deck, meaning just my two hands, 12 hours a day to me not being involved, just being a quarterback. And then for me, just being a quarterback to being a coach with a clipboard on the side of the field. So that's how I transitioned to being a passive income business for me. So in 2015, we decided to buy a rental house near Apple Computers for about 750K, right behind an expressway. I mean, it was like the worst location in Santa Clara. And then um, seven flips later, it uh, becomes seven and a half million. So that's how we used the passive income to generate passive wealth. We created a business that was producing a lot of revenue with very little effort. And then we take that revenue and invest it in properties and flip them. 1031 exchange. And uh, we got to the point where we have financial freedom. So it's time to pay the gift forward. And that's why uh, I wrote this book, Seven Step Blueprint to Passive Wealth. Wow. So that's impressive. Your background started with your parents and them allowing you to kind of dabble within the family business. You were playing with the accounting ledgers, debits, credits. And then you kind of moved up to shadowing your uncle from there, got into flipping, contracting, and also property management and started leveraging the income from all these businesses and roll them into more real estate transactions. And that's kind of led you to financial freedom at this point. So that's an interesting background. And it it kind of puts you as a well-rounded person, <laughs> to say well, the least. You can say I failed at so many things. Now I'm, I'm kind of good at the perspective. Like Because when I say I left my brokerage job, I failed. I didn't have a single paycheck for a year. Because that was in 07 when the market turned, lenders froze up, they, they red flagged a bunch of neighborhoods, they capped the loans at four, four per person, if you remember that. That was a strange time, man. I was spending a lot of money on marketing, spending a lot of time cold calling, door knocking. I was trying everything I, I knew how to do. And I just couldn't get a deal sold. I was on full commission. And you go a year without getting paid and you're on burnout, I think anybody would probably switch. So that's what I did. I said, let's, let's just go flip houses. And that was great. I mean, I made plenty of money and I stopped, um, stopped being a broker 
went straight to flipping houses and that's how people saw the work was great i was like a perfectionist back then i didn't know that was a really bad thing when it comes to trying to scale i didn't know that back then but people loved it about me so they said hey you're great fixing these houses how about you fix mine and enough people kept asking me so i finally just got my license and then i got tired of doing that i stopped doing that for outside people so i only use my contracting skills for in-house properties either properties in the portfolio or properties we own i stopped doing all contracting work for third parties about four years ago sold the truck and i uh, gave up put down the hammer picked up my computer Wow. Sweet. And so you only invest within California, all of your businesses and the real estate that you own is everything only within California. Everything is actually hyper local. It's only within an hour drive from myself. I'm really close to San Francisco, California. Wow. And so there's a lot of investors and a lot of chatter that's within the real estate investment world to stay away from California because it's too difficult to buy real estate. Is price really high? And also the tenant landlord laws, they're just not that friendly towards landlords. How do you navigate those high prices and the negative impact that's addressed towards landlords? Sure. That's a great question. I think high prices just goes with the territory. You're on the West Coast, you're on the East Coast, the prices are going to be high. It's not going to make me move ever. I mean, I love the I love the coast, I live on the water. And so it's kind of the price you pay. You get the laws, they come with the they come with the, the location. I can't change the laws, you know. High prices come with high rents. So that's a good thing. At least it's not high prices and high rent, low rents. I mean, I can see how people would think that you can't make a buck buying California deals, but there's deals everywhere. It's, it's, you can't generalize. It's deal by deal. I mean, you can get ripped off on one deal and make a killing on the next. It could be the same block. So have you ever ran into any major issues with the laws? pertaining to tenant landlord issues or has things been pretty, pretty smooth selling? Well, I think the biggest issue now is the non-payment of rent. Is that being, is that allowed? Tenants don't have to pay the rent. They can just live there. That's a huge problem. That's still allowed in several counties around us. So that's a huge problem because the mortgage companies are not, they're still collecting, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not looking and going, Oh, there's a tenant moratorium on evictions. Let's stop collecting the mortgages. No. So the landlords need big cash reserves. And also the, um, the frequency of paying tenants to move has increased like crazy. Tenants know they have more control now. They have leverage. And hey, it's either time or money. What do you want to pay with? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you guys are kind of mitigating that by incentivizing the tenants to move kind of the cash the keys model well it's it's a really strange market that's moving quickly so about nine months ago the market rent was about 30 percent lower and we were still giving one to two months 
rent-free with every move-in. So now there's no promos. And then, and back then the price was high and the rents was dropping. Now the prices is dropping like 20% and the rent's gone up 20%. I just don't understand this market, Eric. <laughs> you just got to ride the waves. Yeah, but you guys are out in sunny California. So the appreciation that, I think that saves you guys so much to where it will kind of right the ship, so to speak. So yeah, you guys are pretty fortunate with the appreciation play. Yeah. I mean, don't come to California for cash flow. It's not going to be from day one. It might be from year three and on, but definitely from day one, it's not, it's not a cash flow play. It's definitely an appreciation exit, adding value, getting a cheap price per unit on the entry, and then and getting a good exit. That's usually the formula. Rob, how are you navigating these high interest rates as far as sourcing deals as you look to purchase more investment property, what are you doing to kind of hedge this inflation and also be able to make this interest rate make sense? Well, submitting lowball offers and see if you get accepted. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you, have to bleed, if you have to bleed on the cash flow, there better be a nice exit. I mean, uh, predictable exit in about two years. I would hope the little four-year mini recession's over by then. I mean, yeah. We'll see. Just got to get it cheap, right? That's the name of the game. And that's kind of the recurrent theme that I'm hearing from a lot of different operators and a lot of different investors. They're trying to get the price reduced enough to somewhat not impact you as much or even get like seller carry. There's a lot of people going after owner finance to kind of help out to help with the interest rates. Because if you can go direct to seller, then you don't necessarily have to pay 7% for interest rate. You and them alone can work something out amongst yourselves that can be somewhere closer to the 5% or 4% or maybe even a 6% interest rate. And that just completely does away, does away with the with the bank there. Yeah, that's definitely a great strategy. There's there's not that many seller financing deals around here. I only saw a couple of them, and they're I would never buy those deals anyways. <laughs> like seller financing on the worst deal. Damn it! You know? There you go. Exactly. Why can't it be on this other deal I want? Hey, Rob, let me ask you a question. So you've got a book that you have wrote back there. Can you share with us a little bit about the book that you wrote? Yeah, it's available on Amazon. It hit bestseller in commercial real estate and uh, two other categories. So it's it's 80% on property management and it's 20% on invest. And I do have a second book coming out January 1st that's the opposite, 80% on investing, 20% on management. So it's it's for, it's really going to benefit anybody who's in real estate investment or property management or any real estate professionals like realtors. If they want to get a side hustle like property management to go along with their brokerage business, because we all know 80%, 87% of realtors fail or quit. That's because just like me, I didn't get paid in the whole year because of the recession. That was my excuse. 
but I can't tell you how many times I turned down proposition to manage someone's property because I thought it was below me or waste of my time or too low per hour dollar activity. But in reality, once you scale it, some months you have no work to do, but you still get paid. That's the beauty of property management. It's a, it's a coupon clipper, but it's a business. So it can go on for perpetuity. So if you got a house that you manage and you're getting 500 bucks from it, that's not a big deal. But if you got 10, it's 5,000 a month, you know, that will help. Especially if someone in the house has a shopping habit, you know, that would help a lot. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a hundred houses, well, that might change your life, you know? It did for me. So wow. I would pay it forward. So it's really, it's really a subset of the real estate industry that is overlooked by so many people. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. So the thought leaders that are kind of the more high profile guys, they they somewhat push that property management is just not a whole lot of income to be able to make as far as a profit from operating a property management company. And I think that kind of detracts a lot of people and steers people away from that industry within real estate because those thought leaders, they kind of push it out there that there's not a whole lot of money to be made within property management. But that's good that you're kind of giving us an inside take from an actual property management company owner. So the thing that scares people the most are all the horror stories. And it's non nonstop, right? Like a nightmare tenant. Well, you're going to get that anyways if you're self-managing because most investors own one or two homes. That's a 10 million population in the U.S. They only own one or two rental homes and they manage it themselves. So they're already self-managing it. They might as well learn how to do it right. And if you do it for other people, it's easy money. Because how many times is a tenant going to call you per year? How many times is their faucet going to break in a year? Once, right? So the thing to get over the hump, mental hump, is that you only manage properties that are in good condition. You don't manage a dump. Then you're, you're going to hate property management. You're going to hate it because things always break if it's a dump. And you're not a slumlord, okay? Only be a good good landlord. Don't be a bad landlord. And lastly, get an owner who's willing to pay for any repairs that are needed. Otherwise, give it back to them. Don't ever ride that train. Then you'll get a bad reputation. You'll be done from the beginning. So if you have a good property, a good owner, nice tenant, you're set. You have nothing to worry about. Easy money. The owner just doesn't want to be called. Doesn't want to get that phone call. So you're you're just you're just taking their place. And you have a software, property management software that takes care of the rent collection, the lease signing, the communication, the work orders. <laughs> everything people think you have to do it yourself oh i have to go meet the vendor i have to bring my ring of keys like you're in the matrix the key master and i have to go open the door and then stand over the plumber's shoulder and look at their crack for two hours 
and then send a picture when it's done. No, you know, we, you know, our policy is what's that? What order comes through? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a leaky faucet. Okay, assign it to the vendor, assign it to our in house. It's done in our mind, it's done because the, the vendor calls the tenant or the in house calls the tenant, they make an appointment. You're done. The management payroll is done, it's not going to be clicking off because. People think, oh, it's my tenant. Okay, let me take the call. Oh, hey, John, what's going on? Oh, your faucet's leaking? Oh, sorry to hear that. You're having guests over tonight? Oh, who's coming over? Jane and and, and Christy? Oh, good. I haven't seen them in a while. Man, you're too close to your tenants. And they said, oh, I need the plumber here before five. Okay, I'll call you back. Call the plumber. Hey. Plumbing service. I need you to be there before five. Oh, you can't be there until after six? Okay, hold on. Let, let me call you back. Call the tenant. Hey, the plumber can't be there till 6 30. Are you going to be home? Oh, it's too late. You cut out all that middle stuff, the wasted communication. Once you connect them, you're done. You see what I mean? People think you need a handhold, you don't. Yeah. So I think that's where people are getting in trouble because they're they're doing too much rather than trying to be the hands off and operating a business and creating a system, getting really good people in place. That way you can kind of pass things off and you know that things will be handled. And just kind of going back to what you were saying about only manage good properties. That's the same principle that most Operators, real estate investors, they live by, they only want to buy good properties in good areas. So that same premise that you shared with only managed good properties, that's phenomenal because when you buy in those troublesome kind of areas where things are going to be constantly breaking, that can become a headache, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. It's um, something we make clear with all of our clients that we have an alignment on mission and values because we, we need the tenant to be on our side. We have no interest in going to war with any tenants. We need the tenants to look up to the ceiling. Oh, is it raining? Oh, please call us. Like, don't wait. Don't wait four or five days until it becomes an insurance claim just because you don't feel like calling the landlord or they might think they're doing us a favor by not bothering us, you know? So a $200 fix turns into a $20,000 ticket and they have to go stay in a hotel and they're sick because they feel like they got mold in their lungs or something like that, you know? So we train, we train the tenant base to report everything that's going on so that they have a comfortable place to live. They don't get relocated. And so it's that constant reinforcement and we still get tenants, oh, I didn't know you were going to fix it. So I wasn't sure if I should tell you. Man, what kind of landlord you had before? That's terrible. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's our mindset. And we have to pass it on to the, the ecosphere. Clients, owners, tenants, and us. There you go. Well, Rob, hey, we definitely appreciate you kind of giving us an inside look under the hood of uh, property management 
company owner and being able to kind of see exactly what that looks like. We started a little bit late, so I'm going to kind of cut out a few of the questions that I typically ask. But as we close out, we always like to ask our guests, what is a great business or per personal development book that you would recommend for the Moonlight listeners? Probably one they already read. Just read it again. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. Or Who, Not How. Or Extreme Ownership. Or any of the Tony Robbins books are awesome. I have six coaches, so, you know, I read all those. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, hey, the the highest performers always have a coach. So there's some inside thoughts that elite people kind of share. And each one of them, typically, they they had someone that was kind of aiding them and, and pushing them along the way. So, hey, Rob, as we wrap things up, can you share with our listeners how they could connect with you. I know you were saying that you had a Facebook group that you were starting and I believe you had a coaching program. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So if you buy the book on Amazon, then there's a, there's a link. You can get some free gifts just for buying the book. And you can find me on www.passivewealthcoaching.com. Passive Wealth Coaching is the same on all platforms, Facebook, as well as Instagram. And uh, what was the other one? Yeah. So just um, share about your, your coaching program. If you still have that active or if you have a coaching program active. We do. We do. Yeah. So we would encourage people if they're interested to go to our website and we'll read the book. Make sure you read the book. If you like the book, there's a webinar. If you like the webinar, you can schedule a strategy call with us to see if it's a good fit. You can apply to work with us. Okay, great. Well, hey, we definitely appreciate you jumping on, Rob. You have been a wealth of information and share with us a little bit more about California. I know it kind of gets a, a bad, bad rap on California, but you've kind of shown us that it's pretty much a typical place. You have to just navigate the laws and mitigate the risk of the different things that can occur within any kind of investment. But investing in California, it is possible. So, hey, once again, thanks for joining the show. And we'd love to have you back someday. Great. I appreciate the, uh, the appearance. Thanks so much, Eric. And we'll be in touch. Okay. Talk to you soon, Rob. Thanks. Hey, and to you Moonlight listeners, let's keep pursuing financial security through real estate. And while you're at it, let's keep moonlighting. Thanks for tuning in to the Moonlight Real Estate Side Hustles and Syndication Show with Eric Lindsay. Please make sure to give us a five-star review and to share the show with someone. And until next time, keep pursuing financial security, not job security.